Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's kick things off on our Flames Talk postgame show tonight. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome. It was the Maple Leafs 4 and the Flames 3. And as we get things going, it's Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame. Let's get some immediate response right now from Jonathan Huberdeau, who joins us from the Flames locker room right now. Jonathan, a, a hard-fought game on both sides tonight. Just uh, how did you see this one from your side? Yeah, it was a, a tough battle, but uh, I think, you know, we, get, we gave them a little bit too much uh, with their offense. They're pretty good, so I think, you know, we made mistakes. They took advantage of it, and, uh, I mean, obviously it could have went the other way. Obviously we got this law goal in, in the third period, but, uh, you know, we got to come back come back next game and uh, win this one with a big uh, rivalry. Uh, your your group has done a nice job of late of coming back and, and putting losses behind you. How important has that one-game approach been for your team of late? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we've been playing well lately, so I think our focus is to play well till till the break. I think it's important for us, you know, to climb in the, the standing. Obviously a tough one in front of a our crowd tonight, but you know I think we got to forget about this one. We got some some more games at home before the break, so we got to you know get get some wins. What uh, what did your group do well in the first period, and and maybe how did it swing in the second period? Yeah, we've been having good starts, so I think we're gonna keep doing that. And uh, obviously, you know, like I said, I think you know a tough bounce at the blue line for their first goal at the end of the first, mm-hmm. and. You know, I think yeah, two nothing going uh, in the dressing room. You know, it's better than two one. So, and then in second, it just came out hard. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, we we could have played better defensively. But like I said, I think it's a good team on the other side. We knew that, and we almost came back. But like I said, put this one away and come back uh, Saturday. And uh, finally, Jonathan, it was good to see you back on the ice. You come away with a couple of assists. Just uh, how are you feeling after having to miss the game? And just how are you feeling about your game right now overall? Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know a little, uh, was a little sick, so I missed that game. But uh, came back, felt felt good tonight, and uh, obviously just try to build, try to help the team. I think uh, it's been better lately, so I, I just got to keep uh, climbing. Jonathan, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this, hey. All right, thank you. That is Jonathan Huberdeau post game following a Flames 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You heard it right there. A hard-fought battle tonight at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Flamestock post games underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills here at the Hot Stone Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Mick, a hard-fought one. We just finished chatting with Jonathan Huberdeau. He said, you know, too many mistakes in that run when the Maple Leafs took it over. Some good things to like in and around that and, and the bookends of it. I wasn't so big on Calgary's third, but the first 40, uh, I, I personally quite like from Calgary other than that little run, but when you've got a Maple Leafs team that has that type of finishing ability, you can't make those type of mistakes. Is that your biggest takeaway tonight? <laughs> well, I'm kind of chuckling because I literally just said the exact same thing to Wilsey in the elevator, that you just can't make that many mistakes against a team that is that dangerous offensively. And you know that a team like that, they're going to make good plays. They're probably going to score a goal or two but you have to be a lot better in terms of your turnovers and what you're giving up as well in saying that really like the start from the flames they had a, a solid start a really good first period but you know a turning point for me was when martin pospisil left the game and it was uh, you know 
<clears throat> very obvious in terms of the impact that that had uh, on the group. He brings so much in terms of his speed, his physicality, and yeah. just his energy, but also his ability to shift momentum in games. So definitely was noticeable when he left, uh, but also thought that Dan Vladar, he made some outstanding saves in that game and keeping the team in it. Yeah, it was a solid night. Just quickly, Wilsey, any thoughts from you before we bring in Barb's here? Yeah, and the other thing about losing Martin Pospisil, it forced Ryan Huska to break up the Kadri and the kids line, and then he had to move Adam Rzitska up onto that line, and it just kind of threw them out of sync, I thought. But I loved their first period. I did not like their second period. I didn't mind, I would say, the final 15 minutes of the third period. It looked like they tied the game at four, and they had some great chances, but uh, they lost to a desperate Maple Leafs team that uh, yep. wanted to snap their season and long losing streak. Flames talk post game. Derek, Megan, Pat, and now goaltending coach Jason LaBarbera is with us here in the hot stove lounge as well. I guess, and I know we'll get into Dan's game because I had himself a really solid night, it felt like. But just overall, what uh, what did you make of this one tonight, Barbs? Yeah, it was it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, like I said, I thought our start was really good. I thought the first 15 minutes might have been the fastest we've looked in a long time. Like, we were skating, moving the puck, and we were above the puck, and we created a lot of turnovers. And it's for the game's funny, right? Like back six hits a crossbar, it could have been three nothing, and whatever it was, maybe the next shift. I think Matthew scores to make it two to one going into the, uh, the end of the first there. So, you know, in our second period, obviously wasn't good. You knew they were going to come out with a bit of a push. They obviously wouldn't have been happy with their first period, and and they did. And you know, you you give opportunities to the guys that they have over there. And I mean, their big guys scored tonight, and um, that was the difference in the game. Yeah, what did you think just in terms of turnovers and what you guys gave up? Did you feel like it was too much, and how do you think the game could have been managed differently if so? Yeah, we did some dumb stuff with the puck tonight, I thought. We, we turned pucks over in, you know, areas of the ice that uh, certainly against teams like this you can't do. And, um, you know, what cost us? You know, we just we did, <laughs> we did some dumb stuff with the puck. And, um, you know, and then you end up chasing the game a little bit, and I thought – you know, especially for about 10 minutes of the second, we lost some of our composure a little bit and, and just, you know, we were on our heels and they were they were coming and we just didn't do a really good job of managing the game. Austin Matthews scores his fourth hat trick of the season and the 11th of his career. And he is now on pace to become the first player since Mario Lemieux to score more than 66 goals since 1995-1996. As a, a former goaltender and a current goaltender coach, what makes him so dangerous? Well, his release. I mean, the way he can shoot the puck, obviously, is is. I mean, it's, it was one of the best, maybe the best goal scorer in the league. So, um, you know, just his ability to be able to shoot. You, you saw on the first goal. I mean, the way he picked that puck up, and then his ability to shoot in stride. And it's like it, it, he can get it away so quick, and it's on you fast as a goalie. And you know it's coming, but you don't really know when it's coming. And, and uh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, again, he's he's one. He's maybe one of the best if not the best goal scorer yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. We're chatting with Jason LaBarbera, Flames goaltending coach, after this 4-3 setback against uh, Toronto. Barbs, uh, you know, we know Jacob had to miss a couple games here with a, with a minor little lower body thing, but how have you liked Dan in these last two games as he stepped in? And maybe specifically, how'd you like him in, in the third period when the Maple Leafs had some really high-end chances? Just, I guess, big picture and little picture on Dan Vladar. Yeah, I thought he gave us a chance tonight to win for sure. Uh, you know, especially, you know, when it was 4-2 and then 4-3. Uh, he, like I said, he made some real big saves in the in the third. I mean, even in the second period, you know, I know they scored three goals, but he made some 
tough saves in the second period just to keep it to where it was. Um, you know, he, he's he's played the Leafs a lot over the last couple of years for whatever reason, yeah. uh, especially on the road, and so he knows that team well. And, um, you know, you know, as a goalie, you're going to get a lot of high-end scoring chances and chances against you. And, you know, I, he, I, I thought he did a good job of hanging in there, and, and uh, like I said, he gave us a chance. Uh, on Tuesday, Jonathan Huberto missed the game because he was sick, and, you know, you could tell that his absence, it was that line – seem to really miss him and that has such an impact on the forward group when a guy goes down so when Martin Pospisil left the game did you notice a, a shift or an impact in the group and uh, how did you feel that was managed yeah you know Pospisil's one like one of the few guys up front that's got energy and speed and, and sandpaper and you know he's a tough guy to play against and he he can bring guys into the fight just by some of the greasy things that he does out there and um so for sure you miss him but at the same time it you know it gives the other guys opportunities to get more ice time and um you know so, sometimes in the moment guys don't realize that they have an opportunity to do stuff and they don't always take advantage of it and um you know what but it, again it's it, it's it's hard when you lose a guy for sure but again it's always a you know opportunity for guys to to, to get to go do something to get to get more ice time Andrew Mangiapane had a game-high six shots, which is the most he's had in a game this season, and also scored uh, that big goal to make it 4-3 for you guys. He's now got nine points in ten games. Is he back to being the player that we know he can be now or, or getting closer? Yeah, I thought he, you know, he was dangerous tonight for sure. Um, you know, you like to see that out of him. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, one of our goal scorers, and... You know, that line, obviously, you know, the, the Backlund, Coleman, Mange line has been good for us over the years. And, you know, as the start of the year, you're always trying to find chemistry throughout your lineup. And, um, you know, I, for whatever reason, you know, he seems to play better with those two guys. Well, actually not for whatever reason. We know why. Those two guys are <laughs> really good players and they do a lot of heavy lifting. And, and uh, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm sure for him, you know, once we put him back there, he was he was certainly happy to be back with those guys. Last one for you, Jason. The Oilers win tonight. They've now won 12 in a row, and, and that's your next opponent. I just, can you, they're your arch rival. They're the number one rival of this team. They haven't been in this building since December of 2022, and they're riding that streak. Can you kind of put into words how pinned back the ears are going to be <laughs> and just like what the motivation level is going to be to stop that streak on Saturday night? Well, anytime you play them, obviously, it doesn't matter where you are. It's a big game. Um, obviously, you know, in our own building, it's it's uh, it's always a fun energy game. And, um, you know, tonight was a good energy game, and mm -hmm. Saturday's going to be a good energy game. And, um, you know, those are games guys get excited about. And, you know, they're they're playing, obviously, really well, and their top guys are playing really well. So it'll be a really good challenge for us. Appreciate the time, Barbs. Uh, thanks so much, eh? Thanks, guys. Jason LaBarbera, Flames goaltending coach, joining us following a 4-3 loss here to the Toronto Maple Leafs as we continue on your Flames Talk post-game show. It's uh, Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills around the table. Uh, our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota was uh, focused in on Calgary looking to extend their win streak to five, which they do not. So back to the drawing board. They haven't had a five-game win streak uh, dating back to April of 2022. But, Wilsey, one thing this group has been pretty good at, and, and we've talked about it, is, okay, they lose, and there were some things to like, some things not to like. They've done a nice job parking wins. They've also done a nice job parking losses over the last little bit. So they've got a big test on Saturday, and, and you know, now it's going to all be on Saturday. It's that one-game approach again, right? Yeah, and I said off the air before this game, if they could split these games, Maple Leafs and 
Oilers, then I think the Flames are going to be in good shape. So they didn't get this one, so now they'll try to get that one. And to your point, Pat, it's the biggest game so far this season. There's no doubt about it. The Oilers are playing their best hockey, uh, what you could argue, ever, because this is the longest winning streak in the history of that franchise, 12 games, and the Flames would love nothing more than to be the team to snap it. On Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night, in what will be a juiced Scotiabank Saddledome, I get chills just talking about and thinking about that game two nights from now and uh, I might be worried about a letdown because there was a lot of energy in the building tonight for this Flames versus Maple Leafs matchup but not with that one yeah, coming maybe, up. Maybe Tuesday. Yeah, the... Tuesday might be a little <laughs> bit of a letdown. Kind of like uh, when they you know, came off the road and their dads were gone and it was uh, Tuesday night against the Coyotes with games against the Maple Leafs and the Oilers coming up. But uh, to your point, Pat, they're taking it one game at a time right now. And if they could play the same way from start to finish or at least close to start to finish on Saturday that they did in the opening 20 minutes tonight, then I love their chances to, to be the team that finally figures out how to beat the Oilers because I absolutely love their first period. And I know they were only up by a goal, but Austin Matthews got a little lucky on that 2-1 goal because, as you pointed out, uh, Megan, after taking a look at the replay, uh, they got a fortuitous bounce. The Flames were half an inch away from clearing that puck out and uh, would have been nothing. Instead, it, it bounces over a stick right to the worst guy on the ice from a Flames perspective and Matthews does what he's better at doing than anybody in the world right now and that's putting the puck in his opponent's yeah. net so uh, they did some good things tonight there are certainly some things they're going to have to clean up coming out of this game against a talented Maple Leafs team as they get set for a talented Oilers team but man oh man I can't wait for Saturday night yeah, for me, it goes back to consistency and ties in a little bit to uh, what you said in terms of playing, you know, as well for the full 60 minutes as they did in the first period. Well, you look at the game against Arizona, it was the first 48 minutes yeah. where they were not good in the last 12 minutes where they showed up. And lately, there's sort of been, you know, a, a jump from one to the other. Either they have a good start or they have a bad start, a good finish or a bad finish. And as a group, you need to find a way to, yeah. you know, kind of find a, a happy medium in terms of just leveling out your game from start to finish. But I said after the game on Tuesday, say that if they gave up as much as they did in that game in this game tonight that the Maple Leafs were going to make them pay and that's exactly what happened and it doesn't matter necessarily uh you know when you look at it when it happened in the game it's you can't make as many mistakes as they did tonight yeah. in a game that is that dangerous and it's going to be no different on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers so you know it's a matter of that another thing this team has been really good at is looking back at games and making adjustments and looking at what what you need to do to be better it's uh, you know for this one it's consistency from start to finish um, and it's puck management as well. If the Flames had played this game against most teams, I think they would have won. But when they made mistakes, they made them with the wrong guy on the ice. Austin Matthews won this hockey game for the Maple Leafs. He scored three of their four goals. You can't make mistakes when that guy's just yeah. sitting there waiting for you to make one. Yeah. Yeah. And how he was able to make something out of nothing on two of his three goals, he's the best goal scorer in the world right now. And He's up to, what, 37 now? I, I 37, mean, yep. Holy smokes. First player 
he's on pace at least to be the first player since Mario Lemieux to score more than 66 in two and a half decades. So, yeah, the Flames didn't get away with it against this group. They won't get away with it against the next group they're going to play because, much like the Maple Leafs, the Oilers have a couple of generational players who can almost single-handedly beat you and Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. So, yeah, we're going to have to see something closer to a full 60 minutes on Saturday night. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, which way are you leaning for the hardest worker tonight? Uh, I'm a little bit torn on this one. I'm going to go one way or another. Okay, I'm going to give... You want us to help? No. Okay. No. She does not want her input, Pat. (laughs) Maybe we could help bring it It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Uh, I can handle this, Pat. I can handle this. Uh, I am going to give an honorable mention to Dan Vladar. Okay. Okay. I thought he was outstanding. He made some massive saves at key times in the game. I thought he was he was great and you know, elevated his game even from Tuesday. So uh, props to Dan Vladar. And I say I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction in terms of I'm going to give it to Noah Hannafin. You know, he wasn't flashy, stand out, did anything crazy I guess you could say but for me he was he's just he's a steady force back there and you can see the way that the team plays with calmness and composure when he is on the ice his ability to break up plays in the defensive zone and cleanly um, whether it's carrying the puck out of the d zone or make really solid first passes uh, to forwards to get the puck out of the zone he obviously he plays really heavy minutes uh, played 23 27 tonight but also in the offensive zone I just love how much he's he jumps up in the play, activates off the blue line, but it's always at the right times. And so he makes really, really intelligent reads all over the ice and has just been an absolute mainstay on the blue line. You look at, he had three shots on net, eight shot attempts total, two hits, two block shots. So uh, I'm going to give this one to Noah Hannafin. Yes, Derek. Derek has his hand raised. Let me me do do the read then. Keep your hand up a little bit longer. I'll read it really <laughs> slow. Uh, no, the other, there's your hardest working flame. Noah Hannafin is your hardest working flame tonight. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. I was only offering for help if you wanted us to break a no, tie. No, I appreciate you. It only I if appreciate it was, you. If it was only if it's a tie. Otherwise, <laughs> you don't need our help. Um, what, uh, yes. Yeah, Derek. honorable mention for me, Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah. So Brad Treleving, former Flames general manager, current Maple Leafs general manager, once said that, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, something along the lines of when Andrew Mangiapane is at his best, his helmet is on sideways and he's looking through the ear hole at the end of every shift. We're starting to see that guy again. So uh, I talked about it with Jason LaBarbera, uh, a season-high six shots and three takeaways to go with the goal that he scored. And I love that stat line for him because it tells me he was hounding pucks. No shots that were blocked. No shots that missed. So he made the most of his shot attempts with six shots on goal. No giveaways. Three takeaways. Played almost 20 minutes. You've got to look on your face like you do not agree with my honorable (laughs) mention of Andrew Majapani. So I'll leave it there and let you take it. I thought he was great. Oh, okay. Um... 
the only reason I didn't give it to him is I looked at the shots after the second period, and he had six shots after the second period. So in the third period, he didn't have a shot on net. Okay. So that that that's what I thought about him. Okay. That's what swung it. Okay. I just think he's back to being the guy who he was when he scored thirty-five goals. I agree with that a hundred percent. And he drew a penalty. Mm-hmm. Remember, because he was moving his feet. Remember when he was taking penalties because he wasn't moving his feet and he was taking stick penalties. Yep. And Ryan Huska, when I asked him about it, said, "It's because he's not skating. Mm-hmm. You can't check with your stick. You have to check with your feet." Now he's doing that, and he's forcing guys to take penalties on him. Totally. I just think he's completely turned the corner. Uh, We'll get to head coach Ryan Huska very shortly. We'll get to your phone calls and texts very shortly. It's your Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast live right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, just really quickly, um, bad call, bad rule. What do we think of the Connors? Like, I thought it was the right call. On a rule that you're like, can they add a little interpretation in there? Like, was it a hand pass? Yes, I guess by the book it was, but like, can you, can there be like common sense? That, that would be the way I look at it. There was one angle that Sportsnet showed. We're talking about the Connors Airy goal that didn't count. Mick, there was the one angle from Sportsnet mm-hmm. from the blue line in where he, it did click, like he kind of swung his arm yeah. and it did change direction. That was the one that I was like, okay, they're probably going to call this one back. But it was kind of like, yeah, I guess it's the right rule. Just kind of has a feel of like one of those one-inch offside um, goals called back, the one that could have tied the game. Yeah, I just don't love it because of all that happened after that situation. And I understand that it's, you know, it goes back to, okay, that was a, a missed stoppage of play on a hand pass. Um, but like, is that a hand pass? I mean, there was almost a a battle at the blue line, Jordan Osterley, and you could see it from that one angle. You couldn't tell if, uh, Tavares got his stick on the puck or not, but there's almost a puck battle in the middle of that as well. So I I don't know if that's a hand pass. I I wonder if they were also looking at, because remember the Nashville game in Nashville when Philip Forsberg hand passed it out into the middle, but it went off the Flames player before it got. I wonder if they were looking at that. Did it touch Osterley? Uh, Did it touch another player before getting to Osterley, Mm -hmm. which I guess it didn't as as they ended up calling it a, a hand pass on this one? Well, first of all, I give credit to Sheldon Keefe because that was a gutsy call. And he looks like a genius for challenging that goal, but he would not have looked like a genius if that call didn't get overturned. Because not only is the game now 4-4, your team's on the penalty kill Mm -hmm. against a team whose power play has started to heat up. They've scored a power play goal in four straight games now. For me, there should be a difference between a hand pass and a puck hitting a player's glove and deflecting to another player. I, I mean... Blake Coleman was not intending to pass that puck with his hand. It just happened to hit his hand and deflect to a Flames player. So I don't like the rule, especially in a league where they're trying to find ways to up the goal totals, right? And even uh, the goal that wound up counting, Andrew Mangiapane's goal, so yeah, there was, I wouldn't call it a distinct kicking motion, but there was some sort of kicking motion for sure. But I think what you want to avoid is players trying to soccer-style kick the puck into the net. Yeah. 
But if they can make a skilled play and kind of do what Andrew Majapani did there, then uh, if you're trying to find a way to to score more goals, that's one way to do it. So I, I, I don't like the rule, Pat. I think you put it perfectly. I, I think if you're calling it by the book, it's probably the right call. Mm-hmm. But I just think they should change the way that's written in the book. I, I Unless it's like a hand pass where a guy's tr- clearly trying to pass the puck mm-hmm. with his hand, I think it... It should be okay if it bounces off a guy's hand. What if it bounces off his arm? Is that any different? Not really. Um, here is, by right? the way, yeah. this, this was the explanation from the Situation Room. Video review determined that Blake Coleman directed the puck to Jordan Osterley with a hand pass uh, prior to Connor Zeri's rule, rule, goal. Rather, the decision was made in accordance with Rule 79. Um, this is the Rule 79. Uh, I just pulled up the NHL rule book. Uh, Hand pass, a player shall be permitted to stop or bat a puck in the air with his open hand or push it along the ice with his hand, and the play shall not be stopped unless, in the opinion of the on-ice officials, he's directed the puck to a teammate or has allowed his team to gain an advantage, and subsequently possession and control of the puck is obtained by a player of the offending team, either directly or deflected off any player or official. So there you go. That is the, um, that's the rule 79. So, and that's, again... Like you talked about the offside. If the puck is an inch offside, it's an inch offside. That's black and white. This is another gray area Mm -hmm. for me. Because it's all the interpretation of the referees. If we had a different set of referees, maybe they don't overturn that goal. And that's what I hate, the gray areas, because it just leaves you guessing. Yeah. Um, Okay. Ryan Huska in just a second. Let's get some final thoughts from uh, you two. Heading into the Oilers game, Mick, I, I am like that feels like Calgary Super Bowl on Saturday <laughs> night, like an, an opportunity to stop that team's historic run in your building where it's going to be close to 50-50 Oilers and Flames fans in here. Like if I'm the Flames, I am dialed to the max for Saturday to try to shut that streak down. I am so fascinated to see what the home team brings against Edmonton in round two of the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, and those are the games as players that you you really get amped and you really get juiced for. Like these are the these are the big ones and the fun ones. At the same time, you can't get too amped up. Like you have to keep yourself on a level where like, like there's a kind of on a a scale of one to 10 where your hyped up level being 10, you're way over the top one. It's like, check your pulse. Well, as a player, you know where you need to be on a scale of one to 10 to perform at your best. So, you know, it's up to each individual in terms of, you know, how you get yourself ready for that game to perform at your absolute best. So, you know, there's no doubt the building is going to be crazy. It's There's going to be a lot of energy. So uh, it's going to be a lot of managing your emotions and being able to play your best hockey in a high-pressure situation. And it'll be a good test for the young guys, um, especially Connor Zary. Hopefully Martin Pospisil is okay. Um, but a guy like Connor Zary, who is, you know, has an ability to really be a game changer uh, in, in a game of this magnitude, it'll be interesting to see how he responds. Just, just quickly, the fact that they called the the Pospisil injury an upper body is, yeah. is worrisome with yeah. his yeah. concussion history. 
I just I, I cross my fingers. It's not that there is no definitive update from head coach Ryan Huska, but you just cross your fingers. It's not that. Sorry, go ahead, Derek. Can I just throw something out there? It might happen. It might not happen. It probably won't happen. If Martin Pospisil can't play on Saturday, I would give a lot of thought to recalling Matt Coronado and putting him on the right side of the cadre and the kids line. Hmm. I, I just I don't think Adam Rzhitska has earned that opportunity. I'm sorry. So I'd like to see someone there who brought something a little bit different and could maybe put the puck in the net. And uh, Coronado's played really well at the AHL level for the Wranglers. It's only a matter of time before he's back at the NHL level with the Flames. I hope Pospisil can play on Saturday night, but if he can't, that's certainly something that I would consider if I was Craig Conroy. Uh, as for tonight, you know what? It was a heck of a hockey game. It was. It was entertaining. It was back and forth. The Flames had a two-goal lead, and then the Maple Leafs had a two-goal lead, and uh, the Flames made it a one-goal game again, and we thought they tied it, and they didn't. Uh, as we just talked about, that Connor Zeri goal get, that got overturned on a – in hindsight, what was a brilliant coach's challenge by Sheldon Keefe, uh, a gutsy call and one that worked out for him and for his team. But uh, the Flames were in it from start to finish against a team that we knew was coming in desperate. They had lost four in a row for the first time this season, and they had blown at least a one-goal lead in all four of those games, and they blew a multi-goal lead in three of those four games. We knew the Maple Leafs were going to come and, and play a good game tonight, and they did. And... Sometimes you just have to tip your cap to an opponent or, in this case, to a player. And I tip my cap to Austin Matthews. He has taken the torch from Alexander Ovechkin, and he is the greatest goal scorer in the game right now. He scores three tonight. He's got 37 this season. He's on pace for, I haven't done the math now, but close to 70 which would make him the first guy since Mario Lemieux back in 1995-1996 to score 66 or more. And the Flames made some mistakes that they're going to have to clean up. But if not for Austin Matthews, they might get away with those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Probably do get away with those mistakes in this game against the Maple Leafs tonight. So tough loss for them as their season-long four-game winning streak comes to an end. But you know what? They've been taking it one game at a time. That's all they can do. Uh, they've been able to fight their way back into the Western Conference playoff race. They're still in it. And they have a, a golden opportunity ahead of them on Saturday night. Biggest game of the season. Pat, as you pointed out, their first home game against the Oilers since December of 2022, which yep. is absolutely mind-boggling. I still can't believe that after the first Battle of Alberta in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 31 years, the two teams only played three times last year. Just ridiculous. But that's uh, how it worked out. And unfortunately for the Flames, if they would have won this game and the Oilers would have lost their game in regulation time, and the Flames had a 2 nothing lead, and so did the Kraken, uh, as the Maple Leafs bounced back to win, and so did the Oilers. The two teams would have been tied going into the Battle of Alberta on Saturday night. That would have been something, but that didn't happen. But you know what? How much would the Flames love to be the team that snapped the longest winning streak in Oilers franchise history? Because the Oilers won tonight, the Flames will have an opportunity to do just that on Saturday night. This place should be absolutely electric. I'm getting chills thinking about it, talking about it. So for the Flames, put this game behind you. Focus on what you have to do on Saturday. Find a way to beat the Oilers. You'll be two points behind them and right back in the thick of things. Uh, 71 in 81 is what he's on pace wow. for. Wow. Because he's gonna, he missed the one game. Whew. So 71 and 81 for Austin Matthews right now with his hat trick tonight. Uh, thank you, friends. See you Saturday. Hey, enjoy your Friday off. Good night, Pat. Pat.
Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills signing off. 4-3 final. Leafs beat the Flames. Now here's head coach Ryan Huska on our Flames Talk postgame show. Kind of a differing view between different players. One said we lost on that review. The other said we didn't lose it on that review. No, no. Not, not at all. How did you see the review? Um, it's Hey, it hit his hand. What are you going to do? I mean, that's... It's not really a, a hand pass per se, but it hit his hand. So they took a long time to look at it, and um, that is the right call. Did, they, uh, did you like the response from your team after that, or did they not respond? Uh, you know, I, I the response was okay. Um, I thought we had an excellent first period. I thought we did some stupid things in the neutral zone tonight in the second period, which allowed them to get themselves back in the game. So that one's all on us. And, you know, that's the frustrating part. And then I thought we had some pushback in the third again. But... Um, you know, against teams that have high-end skilled players, you and do that. That's what's going to happen. It, it did seem like the game turned a little bit on that six-on-five delayed penalty, where uh, a couple of guys can clear the puck at your own end. How did you see that? Didn't turn in our own end, not clearing it. Started in the neutral zone. Those turnovers. Was it more of a mental thing, discipline? How do you explain that? Um, to me, I look at it as a selfish thing that side of the game so that's that's the unfortunate part of tonight's game for us yeah do you have any updates on possible no i don't i'm sorry did you find that uh was bruce each and dubay filled in and spot duty on that line uh, i thought adam i thought adam did a good job tonight is there any value i mean it's not like it's a secret that austin matthews is an elite skilled player but is there any value in sort of you know learning that lesson that that's what happens when you make mistakes with a guy like him on the ice well, i would hope so um you know, when you look at some of the games that we've dropped this year, um, a, a lot of times when we get into trouble five on five because of stupid plays in the neutral zone. So when you've got a player like that on the ice, you need to take care of the puck. So same thing we're going to see here in a couple nights. Right, and you don't have well, you don't. You know, it's hard for. I couldn't see in the corner. I saw the the video review, probably like everybody else, um, after the fact. So it 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 didn't look good. But um, from what I understand, he's doing okay. I haven't got an official update on him yet. But um, you know, hopefully, it's not something that keeps him out a long time. Will Vladar's performance tonight influence your decision for Saturday? I don't know. We'll have to see. Tomorrow's a day day off for the players, so we'll have some conversations about it, and we'll make that call tomorrow. Chance Jacob is back. Yep. Yep. Good chance Jacob is back. <laughs> we'll see. It's a chance. Yep. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska postgame following a 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Okay, phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Get in line now. Text line is jammed. Keep them coming at 969-60. Lots to talk about on our Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, your phone calls, your texts. More looks inside the Flames locker room as we continue along. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Win streak snapped at 
four as we continue along on our Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, very shortly to the phone lines at 403-240-4444. Very shortly to the text line at 960-960. But first, let's go back inside the Flames locker room uh, and let's hear from Blake Coleman. He was uh, the one... Every controversial video uh, video review, apparently, Blake Coleman is a part of the uh, kicked goal in Game 5 against Edmonton, and then this one, the hand pass in the third period uh, to tie the game against the Maple Leafs. Here's Blake Coleman post-game inside the Flames locker room. Your perspective on the play that got overturned, I and mean, then I guess it did hit your glove. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I, honestly, I didn't. I thought they were looking at somebody else. Um, one of those things where you don't even realize it happened, but... Um, yeah, obviously they reviewed it and it is what it is. How about the emotion of going through the up, but maybe tying it and then finding out it's not happening? Yeah, it's a tough a tough bounce. Obviously it's a completely different game there if it's 4-4. And, um, you know, it seemed like it must have been close enough that it took them that long to make a decision to challenge. So it's unfortunate that it came down to that call, but, uh, you know, even with that call, we got to find a way to even it up. That call I suppose aside what what did you think was the difference out there tonight uh, just a couple couple neutral zone turnovers and um, you know, they have guys that can, can make you pay and uh, one in particular and, and he did tonight um, yeah two nothing lead game in hand and we give them one and then uh, they get a little bit of life and you know they, they're a team that can capitalize if you let them Hang around. That's no secret that Austin Matthews is capable of that, but is it a good reminder, especially with Edmonton coming into town this weekend, that these elite guys can kill you if they are given any time and space? Yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit more so than some others, but either way, it's mistakes that you can't make against anybody in this league. It's, it's the NHL, but uh, yeah, obviously we let a, a couple guys beat us tonight, and um, you know, it was just a little bit of a uh, drop in our um, just situational awareness, I guess. But um, you know, I'll hold myself accountable. I thought I was garbage all night, so I'll be better this weekend, and I expect everybody else to look in the mirror and be the same. Thanks, Appreciating you know, still digesting this. Looking at Edmonton, they are a team that's rolling. Does it make it a little more exciting that okay, we can end their streak and get ourselves rolling again? Sure. Any game against the Oilers is. Uh, it was an exciting one. I expect the crowd will be similar to how it was tonight. And, um, you know, Saturday night, no place you'd rather be. That is Blake Coleman post game following tonight's 4 3 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. It's, uh, it's funny. You heard from Blake, didn't really get an opportunity to see the hand pass. Uh, you heard uh, from head coach Ryan Huska said, wasn't really a hand pass, but by the rule, it was the right call. And that's kind of the way I, I think it's, it's a rule that you're like, I guess like that's kind of like for me, I, I don't think it was a um, as some on the text line have called it a uh, BS interpretation. There is the one angle that showed that it was directed, even if it was gl- glanced off his hand. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that the rule you're like, eh, I guess by the book, that's the. But, like, could you apply common sense? Like, is there a common sense rider that you could add to the rule? That's to the rule book with this rule and others. That's kind of the way I looked at it. It's like, yeah, I guess it was the right call, but you still don't love it just because, um, I don't know, it's just a little, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of the right word. But it's just, am I allowed? I don't want to say that word. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not. It's just, it was a little cheap. How was that? Cheap is the best way that I'll I'll say it. It's kind of like, yeah, it was the right call, I guess. But you're like, yeah, I still don't love it because, anyway, that's the way I look at it. Let's get to uh, the text line. In fact, before we do that, let's get to the save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Dan Vladar's second consecutive start. And, boy, did he have to be outstanding in the third period. You know, all of – oh, I like uh, I like Megan's word for it. It was a little cheeky. Yeah, it was a little cheeky. You're like, yeah, I guess – I guess it's the right call. Eh, still don't like it. That's kind of the way I feel about it. Uh, anyway, Dan Vladar was really strong. And and kind of the, the non-goal or the no-goal kind of skews the fact that I thought the Flames got caved in in the third period. I really did not love their final frame up down by a goal. Uh, the Maple Leafs ended up with 9 nothing in terms of high danger chances in the third period and Dan Vladar kept the Flames in it. The breakaway from Marner there must have been five post-to-post stops that Vladar made in that third period. Like, Toronto could very well have ran away with this game in the third if it wasn't for Dan Vladar. So, that, that to me, that, that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of that no-goal call on the Zeri equalizer. Anyway, here is the save of the game for Shane Holmes from Dan Vladar. It comes in period number three. Great chance for the former Flame Brody. Here's Nylander to Matthews, robbed by Vladar, who stretches out and makes a spectacular left pad save to prevent Matthews from scoring four. That is the save of the game, and that is one of Dan Vladar's 29 stops tonight. And his save of the game is brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Okay, let's get to the text line now at 960-960. Starting with this, says what this game illustrates is how a team with elite talent can dominate a game when they want. Game breakers or elite players are essential to any team winning the Stanley Cup, Mark Stone and Jack Eichel, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, etc. Teams need these type of players to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, this says from Derek in Edmonton, unfortunately they couldn't get another tying goal after Zaries was called back. Good job by Vladar in the third to keep them within one for a chance. Can't wait for the Flames to end the Oilers streak on Saturday night. Uh, this from Leandro, who says the comeback kids gave it their best shot, but holy stripes really changed the outlook of that game, in my opinion. Called back goal from Zeri, the call on Lindholm, and even the faceoff in the last few seconds. But the boys gave it their all. I think they really deserve to win it. On a, a side note, uh, and to have Flames fans think of something else other than the stripes, what do you think of the top three? What are your top three Flames jerseys? Leandro, I, I'm... I can't I can't give you an answer on that right now. That's too much thinking and we'll keep it focused on the game. Um but I'll I'll think of that for later. Uh this says Huberto looked more confident, positives, Leafs getting away with some calls as usual. Good effort, go flames. Go. Uh this from Sean and Dalhousie. Fun and entertaining game. At least they didn't get a point. Hashtag team tank. 
Okay. Uh, this from Walder, Waldorf in Cali who says, as someone who wants a high pick, I love a loss. That being said, I'll always cheer against Toronto, Edmonton, well, anyone in Canada. Why do coaches get a full TV timeout to, to decide if they're going to challenge anything? That's garbage. Decide now or too bad. Good to see Huberdo and Sharon Govich connecting. Now they won't waste a pick on old Huberdo wingers. Murray Edwards, please sell to someone who wants to win and not make money that comes from Waldorf in Cali the point on coaches getting a full TV timeout it wasn't a TV timeout Sheldon Keefe burned his 60 second timeout to buy a little bit more time to then challenge which I also know a lot of people didn't like tonight unfortunately also not not against the rules, but I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that he took the 60 seconds and then bought a little bit more time to then challenge the goal that Zeri scored. But again, not against the rules. In the rule book was actually a smart play from Keefe to give his group a little bit more time. Whether or not you think it should be allowed or not is a different story. Uh, it was a smart call by Sheldon Keefe to use that timeout um, as it is a mechanism he's allowed to use in the rule book. Uh, this from Ross. Pat, disappointing loss. I'm not sure what the referees were doing out there tonight, but it was brutal. They immediately waved off Mangiapane's goal, and it was clearly in, and then called Lindholm on a slash at the end, and it was nowhere near a slash. You could see Nylander drop his stick intentionally. I'd like to see Huska get a little more animated with these in front of his troops. At least Anderson gave the refs the what for. They deserved it tonight. NHL needs to look at what actually constitutes an intentional hand pass. Coleman didn't even know it hit, it hit his glove. That comes from Ross. Um, this from Prab, who says, Great game tonight, Pat. Too bad it was ruined by the questionable call on that Zeri goal. Apparently, grazing a finger is classified as a hand pass now, which is news to me. I observed the calls were puzzling all night long, and Anderson was right to chirp the officials about it. I would say the Flames were outskilled tonight, but they were clearly the better team. I didn't understand D. Simone and Osterley being on the ice for two Matthews goals. That's a matchup that just can't happen at home, yet alone twice. Hopefully, they get the win on Saturday. Now, I think the first one was a change on the floor fly um Matthews was out there um and the other line was still out there so it's a little bit tougher to match when Toronto changes on the fly so that was um kind of unavoidable and it was also Matthews just made something out of nothing on a, on a really nice play um so that was not a bad it was a bad matchup but it wasn't bad matching if you know what I mean like it's not like that was put out there Ma Matthews was fresh and the other group was at the end of a shift if I remember correctly because it was Noah Gregor and Bobby McMahon who were still out there when that went uh when that went in so yeah I, I don't think that because uh, that's what their fourth line so Matthews was out there with the two fourth liners it was an on-the-fly change and then he scored so that was that wasn't as bad having Osterley and D. Simone out there just happened to be the case that they were a couple more texts before the phone lines Ash says despite Huberdeau's two points I didn't like his blind passes in this game Vladar was insane um Finally, my personal under-the-radar player I'd like to see the Flames acquire is Jonathan Berggren. Um, where'd this text go? There it is. As I believe he shoots left but plays right wing, which might jive with Huberdeau, assuming Sharon Govich plays center if Lindholm is traded. Um, 
that's not a bad under-the-radar guy to look at, depending on what the trade ends up being and and who would be the player going the other way. Uh, This says another soft effort by a bunch of soft players. Watch the game in person tonight, and they're at the mercy of the opposition's physicality. That's the key to beating Calgary. Play them tough and watch them collapse. If it wasn't for Vladar, this game's an 8-3 final. Turnovers because they play soft and scared. That's not how I see it, but fair enough if that's how you see it. Um, this says, great game. Feel like the Flames deserved at least one point tonight. Curious your thoughts on Ruzichka. I don't understand the amount of runway he's getting. He's played twice the games as doer plus power play time and is equally as ineffective in my judgment. What's keeping him in the lineup so consistently while doer gets waived? Well, I think there's a few things. First of all, the fact that Ruzichka plays center is right now what's keeping him in the lineup. Now with Kevin Rooney, Clark Bishop, Cole Schwint all in the conversation as we move into the second half of the season. Um, I don't know if that continues, but I think right now Ruzichka being a center iceman is the one thing that is is giving him a little bit of a leg up and a natural center. Um, you know, Dylan Dubé's played center as well. Personally, I don't think Ruzichka or Dubé are great fits as a fourth-line center right now, um, but I think that is what is keeping Ruzichka in, whereas Dewar is a right-winger, period. There's there's not that same type of um, flexibility to move him to different forward positions, so I think that is why he was the one that was waived. And, and the other point is, I mean, Dewar is also a guy that hasn't played up to the level that the Flames expected of him with how well he played last year. But yeah, when you are a little bit like Dubé can play all three forward positions, Ruzicka can play all three forward positions, both um, are natural centers or have been at different points in their career. Definitely Ruzicka is. Dubé's played lots of center in his career as well. So... That is what keeps and, – and Greer is a pretty consistent guy there, so that's why Dewar was odd man up. I'm excited to see Klapka. I hope he gets in Saturday. I 100% would put him in Saturday. I don't know if the Flames will, but I would have put him in tonight, and I definitely would put him in on Saturday against the Oilers. And also, fingers crossed on Martin Pospisil. You just hope that's uh, not another – concussion just knowing that he's really battled with those over the years so really really hoping on the martin pospisil front uh two more texts before we hit the phone lines uh this says uh, just wanted to add my two cents to the game tonight i feel rizichka needs to sit he's flat unmotivated slow and currently not contributing we see players on the farm so excited to be called up and desperate to play but instead here's rizichka just standing around on the ice not impressed this from joel in cranston that was the most disorganized team game we've seen this year. Simone watching Matthews score twice. These coaches shouldn't be happy with any aspect of this game except goaltending. Does Manjapani have any other moves except curling at the opposing blue line, give the puck away, then fall down? Joel, I actually thought Manjapani was pretty good tonight, so we'll have to agree agree to disagree on that front. Keep the text coming at 960-960. We'll get back to the text line as we continue along. And uh, let's get to the phone lines for the first time. They're open at 403 240 as we're well underway on our Flames Talk post-game show tonight. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pat Steinberg with you following a 4-3 Flames loss to Toronto in a pretty entertaining game here at the Dome. Let's say hello to Andrew. What's going on, Andrew? You're kicking us off on the phone lines tonight. Patrick, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How are you? God bless everyone, whichever God. God bless everyone. Um, I usually only call in 
when it played loss, which is right now. But no chance of being negative tonight. I thought Dan Villadar was incredible tonight, man. Like, oh, gosh, you can't be mad at that, can you? Uh, I thought he was really strong, really strong. Yeah, and I also thought, and I'm the biggest Huberto hater in the world, I'll tell you right now. He has been so good for the last 10 games. I don't understand where fans are coming from uh, losing it about this loss where you lose 4-3 to three to a really good team. Like, yeah, they might the media is saying how bad they've been for. They're still a really good team. I thought they played great tonight. I thought uh, Huberto was great. I thought Majapani had probably his best game of the year. Um. I th- I thought uh, uh, Pospisil's injury really hurt them. After when he got hurt, that second line they had to miss and match. Do you think that had a had a, had a problem with their game? Uh, I, I think it could very well have um, contributed. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know to what extent. I know Megan noted that as well a little earlier. I th- I think it definitely played a part because two things. First of all, it throws things maybe more than two things. It, it throws things into a blender, which isn't always yeah. the best. Number one, number two, it robs you of one of your most consistent lines over the last few months and number three it, it robs you of a guy who um is is also a bit of a tone setter in pospisil so i i think that for a lot of different reasons i think that that had an impact how much of an impact i don't know but i definitely think it had an impact i think a little bit i think and also they didn't lose at least tonight they lost to matthews the best goal he if he keeps going he could also he could be close to fifty and fifty couldn't he what is he at thirty nine in what forty three he's at thirty seven in forty two now okay so that's pretty close it's to pretty good yeah it's pretty good like, you lost to Marner and Matthews tonight I don't know I just thought I, I thought I Nylander I thought Nylander was pretty dynamic tonight too like. The, some of the some of the things yeah. we saw from Nylander tonight, yeah. he was he was all over this. Uh, he had his fingerprints all over this one in my eyes too. He did, yeah. And um, do you think that like the Tavares thing is, is it going to be an issue with the, the Leafs coming? Because uh, it's that's about he's got weeks. one more year after this, um, and we'll yeah. see what they do. Okay, I just don't want to be negative tonight with the Flames. I thought they played a pretty good game. I I don't know. I just. I thought Vladar was amazing. And another thing, and if Vladar's going to be a trade bait, um, do you think this is a great game for him to be, to look like he did on a national, not national maybe, but like everyone watches the Leafs, let's be real. I know we all hate the Leafs in Alberta. But, um, no, I know what you're saying. And, and yeah, I, I do think that, um, I, I do think this is a, and, and the Leafs might be a team that would be interested in Vladar. Who knows? So, yeah, uh, to, to your question, yeah, I do think that this is a good game for him to play really well in. Yeah. Anyway, I just don't want everyone to be um, negative against the Flames tonight. Like, let's be honest to what they are. They're not the greatest team in the world, but I thought they played great tonight. I'm not getting into the rest because that's going to happen any other game. Um, I just thought they played great, and I thought they showed up against a really high-powered Maple Leafs team tonight. Yep. Uh, they. Uh, I, I mean, I, there were some things that I didn't love, but uh, yeah. there were also some things I thought they, they yeah. played well. There's a lot of things I don't But I'm always negative, so I'm just trying to be you know, not negative tonight. <laughs> I just I – just, yeah, well, I I appreci- Yep, no, I appreciate it, Andrew. 
Anyway, thanks so much for everything you do, Pat, and uh, you take care, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, you have a great night. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames uh, 4-3 loss. By the way, just uh, Aaron Vickers is a wonderful human being, and uh, so is Danny Austin, just so they know that they were both in here. That's why um, That's why I was a little distracted at the end of Andrew's call. I apologize, apologize rather. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's George up next. What's up, George? Much, Patty. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Good, man. Excellent to hear. So I, I actually was going to start by going off on <laughs> on the on the third pairing being on with uh, Matthews, but I, I didn't realize on the first goal that that was a line change, so I'll definitely give them that. The second one, I still didn't like that they were on against them, um, especially since you have last change. But, I mean, what are you going to do? It's a high-powered Leafs team, and I, honestly, I thought that third pairing struggled mightily all night. And, and I know it's not – the best option to have right now with the injuries you have. But, uh, yeah, I thought those two struggled tonight. Yeah, it might be Gilbert time on Saturday. Um, I, I could see them yeah. bringing Gilbert back in against the, the Oilers. And, you know, he's he's probably sat out long enough. Uh, he's pretty close to ready. So, yeah, it might be uh, it might be Gilbert time uh, and, and see if he comes in for Osterley or something like that. Yeah, I hope it is Gilbert time. Hopefully he's ready to come back and they can insert him into the lineup because they're going to need all the help they can get against uh, this juggernaut of an Oilers team. Um, Pospisil going down, man, to injuries. First and foremost, I hope he's okay because it's like you guys said, it was the upper body, and I hope it isn't the C word because he's, you know. I mean, let's face it, he's spoken about how he thought that could have ended his career. So I just – Yeah, exactly. I don't even want to go there. You know, I hope first and foremost for his own health, he's okay. And then second, I hope if he is okay, that he's not out for a long time because he's an impact maker on this team. He's not in the sense of like Connor Zeri. He's not the offensive player that Zeri is, but he's a totally different type of player than Zeri. And I think that's why the cadre and the kids line works so well because each, each of those players has their own thing that they do that contributes to the success of that line. So I mean, and you can, and I agree with Megan Mickelson 100%. Like he, it, it was noticeable when he was out after, in, in general, like it was very noticeable. And then, you know, going on from that, uh, Dubé and Ruzicka both had opportunities to play on the Kadri-Zari line, and and uh, in Pospisil's absence, and I really feel like Patty. I don't think either one stood, stepped up to the plate, and I'm pretty disappointed in that because. Especially Dubé. I mean, Huberto's out with illness. Guy gets a shot on the top line. Did absolutely jack you-know-what. And tonight, same thing. Then they try Ruzicka there. I didn't really see much there. And I agree with Mr. Wills. Honestly, I hope Coronado gets the call-up and is placed on the right wing of that line. Because, honestly, I do understand why he hasn't been called up lately. Because I agree with the fact that he shouldn't be put on the fourth line. I don't think he'd be effective there at all. And he's not a fourth-line style of player, right? He's a top-nine player. Um, that's what he's playing with the Wranglers. That's where he's thriving there. I think that's where he should be put in a position to thrive in the NHL, whether it be this year or next year. So I hope if Pospisil isn't available for next game that he gets a call up and he's put right with those two because A, he's a right-hand shot, B, is a sniper, and it won't be the same as having Pospisil on that line. It will be different because of the style of player he is. But I think he could benefit those guys. So it'll be interesting to see if that's indeed what happens. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see um, because it, it all depends on how long he's out for. Because there's also, you know, there there's also um, IR, not IR. There's there's roster limits right now. They're at 22. If they want to get Gilbert in, they're at 23. Um, they'd have to put Pospisil on IR most likely if they were going to want to go down that road. So I, I don't know if it'll be as as easy as that. But at the same time, yeah, I, I, you know, Logan posed that question to me up in the press box. You know, if Pospisil's out for any period of time, do you think about doing that? And, and I think that there's a, a for sure an argument to be made about doing that. Um, and I'd also like to see Klapka in as well. I mean, Klapka's with the group right now. I'd like to see him get an opportunity if, if that's possible. I'd like to see Klapka in regardless. Like, if, if they have to put Pospisil on IR then I would like to call Coronado up and put Klapka in. And if that's not the case, A, that's awesome because that means Pospisil is not, like, badly injured. Right. But number two, I'd like to see Klapka in regardless. You know what I mean? Regar- Honestly, I agree with you. I'd like to see him in regardless. I think that that fourth line needs a shakeup, and I'd like to give the guy a shot. You know what I mean? Um, so regardless, I'd like to see Klapka in, whether or not you have the ability to call up another player from the Wranglers or not. So we'll see. It will be interesting. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I get the heebie-jeebies playing this Oilers team anyway, but especially with the run they're on now. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, like I, I hope the Flames can play them tight. I hope they can limit them. And, and obviously, I hope they win the game. But we'll see. This this Oilers team is pretty scary right now because it's not like they're beating teams 7-6 to six anymore. Like, they're actually playing good, structured hockey right now, and that's what's scary about it. Like, their goaltending is pretty good right now. Their, their defensive play is better. And then you got, you know, you got the gods of hockey on that team doing what they do. So it's going to be going to be a hell of a game where it'll we'll see. We'll hopefully speak after that game. And uh, I hope you have a good night, my friend. Okay, George. See you, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames uh, 4-3 loss to Toronto. Let's say hello to Anand. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good thinking. Yeah, tough, uh, tough out game tonight. Uh, definitely, I like how they uh, didn't uh, lose all of their control, but uh, still tried their best. Uh, I want to still say Yegor Sharangovich, he's been amazing for the Flames. Even Kadri too on the power play goal, and Huberto as well. Uh, awesome two points for him tonight. Uh, my next point is I like uh, I hope uh, Pospisil is all right. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get an update on him soon. Uh, my concern with the Flames, especially in the second period, was them I think slowing down and then letting the uh, Leafs take the lead uh, going into four two. So that was something concerning. Uh, my question for you on uh, plays that they get a lot of offensive. Do you think they? pass the puck too much and not get shots in is that something you have noticed as well uh sometimes yeah i i think that you know i i i and i think that it's happened with players that maybe uh aren't feeling as um as confident in their games as as they might usually be like i've there's been a few times not not so much of late but we've seen it for instance with andrew manchapani um we've seen it at times with jonathan huberto um and, and a lot of times you do outthink yourself sometimes when you're not feeling as good about your game so yeah i i think sometimes we've seen that happen for sure 
All right. And what do you think of the uh, defense pairing Australia and Simone? I know uh, they haven't been shining under as of late. What have you thought of them recently? Uh, actually, I haven't. I've actually been pretty impressed with the way they've played prior to tonight. They they definitely had their struggles tonight. Um, but I, I think generally it's actually been a pretty decent pairing for them and was during the, the four-game win streak. So it, it might be time. Like when you've got the, the ability to uh, bring in a guy like Gilbert and, and they have been somewhat of a, a rotation in their uh, bottom pairing, I, I think that after tonight would be a nice night to go to, uh, to, go to a guy like uh, Gilbert on Saturday, but we'll see. Yeah, Saturday I'll be at the Dome. Uh, I'll be excited for that. Uh, one more question for you as a newer hockey fan. I know I've been uh, following the Flames for a little more than a year now. But what are the actual rules on hand pass? Is there a, like a time so like a time frame that the puck must go out of the hand or how, how it's be held uh, to call it a hand pass and not a goal? Um, it was, unfortunately, the call was made properly by the books i think uh, I, th- I think the debate would more be should they change the book as opposed to change the ruling tonight would be my would be my takeaway because it's kind of like yeah i guess they called it by the book but like could you add common sense like that clearly like he was it didn't look like he did he direct it yeah i guess did it hit his hand yes was it a hand pass in the spirit of the rule no. So, like, can you have a little bit of – and I know that once you start adding discretion, um, it, it can make things very gray. So maybe they don't want to do that. It was just – I can understand why that was frustrating. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I just wanted to ask Kevin your friend's friend because, yeah, I just wanted to see uh, your opinion on that as well. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Matt, for the chat again. And, yeah, we'll talk to you on Saturday. I'm looking forward to the uh, Oilers and Friends game. It's going to be exciting. Okay, uh, okay, Anna, you have yourself a great night, hey? Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Thanks, buddy. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, Flames fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we say hello to Jose. What's going on, Jose? Oh, Patty, buddy. Holy hermano, hermano. Talk about a stressful last two goals, huh? Yeah, four three, and they got a child. They got to, they got to review it because it looks like a kick. And then was it was it determined that uh, that the Toronto player touched it first before it went in? That's why it was a good goal. Yes, yes, it, it was determined that um, that it was so hard to see because there were three sticks there. But it was determined that uh, after the kick, it then was stopped. And I think it was Liljegren was the defenseman kind of got possession of the puck. And then the puck went in, so that was also the right call. So, so yeah, we we had to go through a review for the third goal, and then of course that fourth goal that was like, wow. I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems silly to me that that hand pass that had pretty much nothing to do to affect the play. It wasn't like he like saved the puck from going out of the zone to to, to maintain the play. It, it wasn't like some kind of egregious act that that you know, led directly to a goal. I don't know. It just seems to me like there has to be some kind of time limit on how how far back they can go in the play. To a, to, to like, I mean, if, if the refs if the refs miss a call, the refs miss a call. You know what what happens if, if the does if the puck hits the netting? Is that also a 
you know, a reviewable yes. play that it, yes. it is a reviewable play. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of what they did. It. So they, what they did it for originally was that. Um, because there were a couple of times that pucks went out of play and then a goal was scored and it was found out afterwards, like, oh, that shouldn't have been a goal. Um, I think there's a fine line. I'm, 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 usually, I'm usually in favor, so I guess I'll be consistent. I, 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 I do lean towards more of get the calls right, and it's such a fast game. The game's never been faster than it is now that I, I do think on-ice officials need need a little bit of a safety net because it's never been faster. It's just too much for four pairs of eyes to see. So I I, I understand why they're in place because they want to get things right. The problem is then you have things like tonight where you're like, yeah, they got it right, but like – is that in the spirit of the way the rule is written? I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, I understand that, where you're coming from. And that, and that timeout that they called to, 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 to have that extra time to review and decide whether or not they were going to challenge, they, they just set a dangerous precedent with me, in my opinion, with, with that move, I think, because now more teams are going to do that. That's going to be a trend that, that other teams are going to follow suit on, and, and it's going to slow down the game even more. But I digress. You know, it, it, it is what it is. If we would have been – the benefactor of that call, then, then we'd be supporting it, applauding it. But now because we were the victim of it, then that's why we're complaining about it. So that's just so that you're the beast. Anyways, Pat, I told you I was going to call you back and tell you about who I think has to go on this team. And, and I I think the two – Okay, you've only got a few minutes, though, so you better be quick. The the two guys that I think need to go, like, right now, Pat, right now, are, are Dubé and Dewar. Not Dubé and Dewar. Dewar just got moved down. Dubé and Rizichka. And – I'll tell you, a guy like Dubé, you know, you can you can sell him on you can sell another team on the fact that he's got a tremendous upside. He's an everyday NHLer, and that's hard to find. You know, like you can you can talk about all the draft picks and all the all the potential in the world of, of you guys in your farm system. Dubé is a proven everyday NHLer, and if that guy got to change the scenery, that guy might light it up. I could see a team like Chicago that's suffering from so many. Okay, now let me let me. Okay, so. He had 45 points last year. So why does he and I and I'm not I'm not even trying to suggest that you're wrong, but like could it be that he's just having a rough year? And like so and and so why after having after being like every year he set new career highs except this year he's struggling after a 45 point season last year. Maybe is it just a down year? You know what I'm saying? It, it just seems to me like this guy has never really blossomed in the system, and he had forty-five points last year, dude. Like he was one of their most yeah. one of their most productive five-on-five players last year. Right, but how many points does he have this year? I'm, you're missing my point. I'm asking, could it be that he's just having a down year? If we didn't have guys in the system coming up right now, Pat, that need the roster spots, I would say give this guy time. But. We're at a point right now, you need to get Pelletier in the lineup. Coronado's going to have an opportunity. I still think Coronado needs to finish out the year. But even a guy like Poirier, even if you want to bring in D-men, like, like if Shillington does come back, and I, and I, and I hope that you know, he, he does you know, get, get through this situation. It's been a crap situation for, for Shillington, obviously, whatever he's going through. And you know, hopefully he does have an opportunity. But you need these roster spots. And, and Ruzichka and Dubé, to me, are guys that – are just not flourishing in the system, and it's not their fault. It's not. It's not that they're bad players, or it's not. It's just some guy like you. Look at a guy like Bennett. 
Bennett went to the Panthers and he just he soared, you know, and I don't think And I'm not even Jose, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I just I do wonder a little bit about, you know, could it just be that Dubé's having a down year? And again, when you say he's not flourishing in the system, he did last year. He was one of their most productive players at 5-on-5 five five last year. So I, I, I think you're wrong when you say that, that he hasn't flourished in the system because he did last year. Well, last year was last year, but... Well, okay, but Jose, you're missing my point. You're you're one of those guys that says don't give up on guys, and here you are giving up a guy who's still 24 years old who is having one down year. That's all I'm saying. But, but, it's, but it's not about giving up on a guy. It's, it's about giving this guy an opportunity to flourish and it just to me it hasn't happened in Calgary and I think it would be beneficial for him somewhere and I think you could get something good for the guy because like you said well I think if I I think if you I think if you're trading him now you're getting pennies on the dollar with the year he's having unfortunately but at least so you just said you can get something good for him for him though a guy who's having the worst NHL season of his career and you're like you're gonna get something good for him well, you could get something. You could get some kind of return for the guy because everyday NHLers aren't easy to find. And again, if you're upselling on the fact that he's had good good seasons in the past, I'm not talking about a second rounder, even a fourth rounder. Just to I don't know. I, I, and I'm not even saying I'm not even saying you're wrong. And 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 we got to wrap up here, Jose. Can I do? I think there is something to be said about um, about. A change of scenery for Dubé. I was just more playing devil's advocate on it, um, just, but I do. I do. The bull by the horn, and he just hasn't, man. And it's just been really frustrating. But it's only. It's but again, he did last year. So you're you you are making these assumptions based on forty five, forty six games. So to do her, or is he? That's great. I'm just saying, Dewar hasn't been traded. He's been sent down to the American League to try to restart things. Yep. So I don't really that, know that those that are... Luxury with we won't have that luxury with Dubé. If we put him on waivers, somebody's going to claim him. I don't know. With that contract, I'm not certain. Yeah. We'll see. Anyways, I'll let you go, brother. It was a good fight. Jose, we're not even I fighting. because I, I, I actually, Jose, I kind of agree with you that a change of scenery might help both guys, but I just... I did, the only thing that I push back on is that Dubé hasn't flourished because he had a really good year last year. It's good to hear from you, pal. We need you and me soon. Um, take one more call before we go back inside the Flames locker room following a 4-3 loss to Toronto. We're saying a little Brian. What's going on, Brian? Hey, not much yourself. I'm doing all right. Good. I had uh, two points here I wanted to ask you on. One of them you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, – I like to think I'm a little bit up to speed on the rules, but I can't recall a time that I've ever seen a team call a timeout to gain more time for a coach's challenge. And why hasn't that been used if that is within the parameters of the rule book? That I uh, I remember I've seen it a couple of times this year already where that is uh, where that has happened. Um, so why why do teams not do it more often? It's a very fair question. I think my best answer to that is that I I I think that there are probably stretches where teams view that timeout as very valuable. And so they don't want to necessarily waste it if they're not pretty certain they're going to get the call right. That that would be that would be my guess as to why we don't see it more often. But that's just a guess. Yeah, because you see often a 
team, they're looking at the, the, the iPads and stuff on the bench, but all of a sudden, like, they're kind of stalling a little bit. Like, they have that 10-second window, and no one seems to be using it, if that's right. the parameters. And it is very odd. I was at the game tonight, and everyone was kind of looking around, like, how is What's going on? Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems really odd. Um, second question I had is, you know, we, we talk a lot as fans and, and in the media aspect on the, the big contracts and who needs to go where, but... What about the B contracts when you got a Majapani, you got a Dubey, you got a Rizichka? These guys are, you know, NHLers. They got some experience. They have some pedigree in the NHL. But where's your thoughts as far as, you know, getting rid of some of those guys and bringing a couple of the the Pelches and stuff with a little more grit, a little bit more fire in them at, you know, a quarter of the salary and getting some draft picks? Um, well, I'm usually anti-getting rid of because that doesn't usually – like, I, 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 I think that if you can get good value for, sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think that's fair, and I think that if you're Craig Conroy, there are some players here that I think you need to um, make some calls on in terms of how they fit your long term, and, and I think – Manjapani's an interesting one. Is is he because he's got one more year left on his contract? You know, is he a guy that they see signing long term after this? If the answer is yes, well then keep him around. If the answer is no, then maybe you do in the next. You know, whether it's this year, this trade deadline, or or at some point in the next little while, maybe you do think about it. I, I think it's a fair question. Yeah, and you know this. This organization seems like they gave a chance. They, you know, they run a player up and down the lineup and give them an opportunity. But if they don't perform, you know, some of the some of the players are down to the minors. They're on waivers. They're gone, like a Rooney. You know, a few, a few guys over the years. But it seems like the Manjapanis and the Dubays, the guys that are making the three million ish range, they never do anything with those guys. Well, I mean, Manchapani's making almost six, first of all. Uh, second of all, he did. He's he's a multiple time like he's he's scored thirty five in this league, and he's been a guy who has flirted with twenty in this league, and and probably should have been a multi time twenty goal scorer if a couple of seasons weren't shortened. So. Um, yeah, I, I so he, he should have scored 20 or probably would have been close in 1920 when the pandemic shortened things. He would have scored 20 if they played 82 in that 56-game season. Then he scored 35. Even on a down year, he had 17 last year. That That's, that's why not, when you talk about nothing's been done because he is still a guy who helps generate offense on this team. Yeah, it's, that's questionable, though. It's, you know... One game out of ten, he'll he'll generate, and then he just kind of rides and floats around the whole game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't um, I I think I don't agree. I think that actually I I don't agree on that. I I think that um, Manchapani's actually been pretty good for him of late. Oh really? Okay. Well, we'll, well, we'll agree to disagree we, on that, we but... can agree to disagree on that. I think that he but... I think he had he had been less. Um, effective prior, but ever since going back on the backland line, I've I've quite liked Manjapani. Yeah, I found in previous years and even world world championships and stuff, he was he was a presence. Whether it was on the score sheet or not, he was a presence in a game. And now he's just kind of 
the odd time he's on the score sheet, the odd time he's in the play, but he's not consistent like he has been. And, and for $6 I, million, I, we, dollars, I mean, we we talk about a lot of players. They're, they're $10 million contracts underperforming, but if a $6 million guy is not, not performing, where does that fit you in a, a trade value as well? Yeah, I don't I don't quite know how to answer that. Um and I would have I would have agreed on the Manchapani front earlier in the year. I just think he's really turned his season around in my opinion. Do you think he's a valuable commodity as a core piece to keep if things blow up and change and and all that or do you think he's a expendable for lack of better term? I I think I would not I I guess what I would say I I don't I don't think that I would have him as untouchable. How's that? Okay, that's fair enough. All right. right. We have a great night, Brian. Thanks for the call, hey? You too. Cheers. Okay, man. Uh, Hey, phone lines are open. Got a few lines open if you want to chat tonight at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. Would love to hear from you following a Flames 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Keep your calls coming. Uh, A couple lines open if you want to jump in. Now's the time to do so. Text line remains open tonight as well at 960-960. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room following a 4-3 loss to the Maple Leafs. Let's check in with Rasmus Anderson post-game following tonight's setback. So, uh, tough to lose a game on a, on a call like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, but, I mean, we don't lose a game on that call. Uh, you know, the, I mean, I, I knew, I, I know I showed my emotion quite a bit there at the end, but, you know, there, there's no point of yelling at the refs. It just makes it worse. And, and um, yeah, the reason I was mad is because I, you know, I felt like you know, they slashed Lindy's stick out of his hands in front of their net in the second. They slashed Colsey's hands to break his stick. Break his stick, no call. And then um, they slashed um, Rosie before their third or fourth goal. And no call similar to Lindy's play. And then and then uh, we get we get one at the end. That was the reason for my frustration. But, you know, it's um, you shouldn't get frustrated like that. i got to keep my emotions in check. And... Um, but, you know, it's a tight game, and, you know, you, you want to win. And uh, just, uh, yeah, um, it happens. Were you okay with the team's response after? Yeah, that's a gut punch when that goal gets disallowed. Yeah. Um, it sucks, but, uh, you know, those are the rules now. You know, you can challenge. And um, and it is what it is. And, um, and But we don't lose the game there. We lose the game in the second period. We're... Way too, way too many turnovers in the in a neutral zone, and uh, you know against a team like that, and uh, you know if you give Matthews the pink, he'll, he takes all hand, and that's the way he is, and uh, he's a hell of a player, and uh, he showed that today. Is it, is it tough when you feel like you've outworked your opponent for most of the game? And just don't get it. I don't know if we were outworked him. Um, we had a good first period. That uh, they had a good second period, and um, you know the fourth period. Obviously, we were going to come with the push and. You know, we knew uh, that they'd blown a couple leads uh, in the previous games before. So we, uh, but you know, they played a smart period. Uh, they were in our zone quite a bit in the third too. So I, I don't know if we, if we outworked them or not. But you know, we had a we had a really good first period, and then we let the game uh, get away from us in the second. Just maybe pushing it with a guy like McDavid coming in. Is it a reminder of what those elite will do? Uh, I'll worry about that on Saturday. I I have no time to worry about the Oilers today. 
just on Dan Vladar and how he kept you guys in with a couple big saves in the third round. Yeah, he's a good goalie. He, he made some good saves in the in the third, and uh, you know that's what you need against. Uh, that's what you need from your goalie when uh, when you play against elite players. And uh, Vladi was uh, Vladi was really good today. What, what lessons can you take out of this process? Um, clean up our neutral zone. Uh, too sloppy, too many turnovers, and uh, as I said, if you give time to good players, they're they're going to score. That is Rasmus Anderson post game as the Flames fall four three to the Toronto Maple Leafs here on this Thursday night at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. It's Pat Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk post game show. It's time for tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by Heart Fit Clinic. And uh, tonight I'm going. Uh, Brian's not going to be happy with my choice, but uh, I'm going Andrew Manchapani as tonight's uh, Player with Heart. Uh, Manchapani scored the goal. He led the team in a few different categories. He led the team with six shots on net. He also was tied for second on the team with six shot attempts. His six scoring chances led the team, and his four high danger or slot scoring chances led the team as well. Thought it was a really nice night for Andrew Manchapani in his 19 minutes and four seconds. Really liking the way his game is trending. And uh, Andrew Manchapani is tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room following a 4-3 loss to the Leafs. Our last check-in is with the captain. Here's Michael Backlund following this loss to Toronto. What uh, what was ultimately the difference out there tonight? Uh, second period. Uh, I thought we played with some energy in the first uh, to get that late goal, get some momentum to them, and they bring that into the second period, I thought, and uh, we were turning puck over too much in the neutral zone, um, making hard on ourselves and feeding them. They're a really highly skilled team, and if you feed them, they're going to um, eventually capitalize, and that's what they did. What were your thoughts on the, on the challenge? Uh, I haven't seen enough of it. Um, so, uh, I mean, they looked at it for a long time, so I assume it was the right call. Uh, what was going through like the team during that six-on-five delayed penalty Unable to clear the puck out in that first period that led to, to their goal there. Uh, yeah, it was a long shift. Um, we had some chance to get the puck out, and uh, we didn't. And they um, got all their firepower on the ice, uh, next amount on the ice, and they capitalized. It's no secret that Austin Matthews is obviously one of the league elite players. But what do you learn from a game like that where he had sort of jump on the opportunities? Well, I think uh, we're playing a similar team on Saturday, so um, I think uh, we got to learn from tonight. Uh, know that the second period, the way we played, uh, turning too many pucks over is going to cost us, and it's going to be a similar thing on Saturday. Uh, highly skilled team coming in on Saturday too, so uh, we got to learn from tonight and bounce back on Saturday. Well, you're up two nothing. You hit a post on that breakaway, and then they come back and score ninety seconds later. Just kind of shows how quickly a game can turn. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought we had, like I said, some good energy in the first. Play some good hockey, and when they score, when they tie, they got some momentum, energy, and and, and it's, like I said, they're in the second, they're they were a better team. So yeah, um, we uh, yeah we were playing well, but uh, like you said, it can turn quickly. Can you just speak to the emotion of? I mean, it looked like you were gaining momentum with Manjapani's goal, then you tie it in the third period, only to find out minutes later you didn't tie it. Talk about that roller coaster. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I uh, as soon as I saw it, it hit something, and I thought maybe it was a hand. I wasn't sure, uh, but I kept playing obviously, and then we score, and I was really excited. But I had it back in my head; it might be 
might look at it. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, that was tough. Uh, we, uh, I think after that, I w- we, didn't, we had a little bit of a push, but um, just not what we usually have. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll bounce back on. Sorry. With, this team's been pretty happy with the sort of recent role, so when you talk about bouncing back Saturday, like how, how do you kind of digest what happened tonight and just say, okay, let's get back to what's made us successful? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, uh, tonight, if we learn from tonight, we'll have a, bit, a really good chance of winning on Saturday because uh, we're playing a very similar team. Um, and uh, if you do the right things and play the way we can with high pace and play the right way, um, then uh, we're going to have a, a good game and have a good chance to win. That is Michael Backlund post-game as the Flames fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's time to look ahead on our Flames Talk post-game show. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And uh, next up, Saturday night versus the Edmonton Oilers. It is an 8 o'clock face-off, coast-to-coast, Sportsnet, C. It is going to be um, electric in this building on Saturday night. The Oilers have won a franchise record 12 in a row, and the Flames are the team that can, or the next team anyway, that can snap that that winning, uh, winning streak. And you can just imagine that, you know, after they lick their wounds after this one, get the day off on Friday, and then come back on Saturday morning for a full morning skate, you can just imagine the motivation from the Flames playing their number one rival and trying to stop that winning streak in its tracks. Um, It feels like that's got the potential to be a a Calgary Super Bowl or close to it, regular season Super Bowl. I'm curious to see what the Flames bring on Saturday against an Oilers team that is playing some ridiculously good hockey. Can the Flames be the one that snapped the skid? Will uh, snap the the streak, rather? We'll find out. This is round two of the Battle of Alberta. Oilers won round one at the Heritage Classic on October 29th, 5-2 at Commonwealth Stadium. Also will be Edmonton's first trip to this building since December 27th of 2022. It has been Almost 13 full months since the Oilers have been here in this building, which is crazy to wrap your head around. Uh, So that's next up, 8 o'clock on Saturday. We'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with your Flames warm-up. Then Tuesday, this homestand continues against St. Louis. Thursday, the Flames host the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics biotech.com get to the text line now at 969.60 this from Kevin in Silver Springs who says they were lucky on the Manjapani goal I'll admit that Zeri's goal was a nice one but the right call was made it was a real slick challenge on Toronto's part that said was an entertaining game my issue however doesn't have to do with tonight's game, but does have to do with puck in hand. The moment I can't remember who they were playing. Nonetheless, the opposing team's player was behind the net, puck in the air. He grabbed that puck, closed-handed, and tossed it over the net. Then trying to bat it in as he comes around the front of the net, a goal was scored as a result of that hand pass toss. It was called a good goal. 
they challenged because it was blatantly a play that should have been called a stoppage. They shouldn't have needed to challenge that play, but they did. They lost. They were also penalized. Now, comparing that play to tonight's play against Coleman, I'm left with a WTF face. Again, good eye by Toronto, but the discrepancy between the two hand passes are worlds apart. Is there a logical reason to explain how the subtle gets called and the egregious one doesn't? Yes. Kevin, I have an answer for you on that one. Um, and the answer is is that you're talking about the Nashville game. It was Philip Forsberg who kind of batted the puck into the middle of the ice and then a player scored uh, and it should have been or, or it looked like it was a missed hand pass. The problem is, and what happened on that goal that did not happen on this one is that so it was deemed not a hand pass because a Flames player, I believe it was Mackenzie Weger, touched the puck first. So what was a blatant hand pass into the middle of the net or into the middle of the ice, into the slot, touched Weger and I believe it was his stick who touched it before it got to the Predators player that scored. And because Uyghur touched it, it broke the pass chain and thus wasn't a hand pass. And as soon as a player touches a, a, of the opposing team touches on a hand pass, it's a washout from the referee, right? The referee waves it off, or the, the linesman waves it off, rather. It was so quick, and they missed it, um, and so they didn't call the hand pass or the Flames player Uyghur touching it, but that's why that one counted. In this case, even though the hand pass itself was less blatant than the Forsberg one, this was batted, and it was a Flames player who touched it next. There was no breaking of that chain. So that is the difference between the two goals. But, Kevin, it is a bang-on fair question, uh, very fair question. Um what else we got here at 969.60 on the text line? Uh, this from uh, Dan in uh, Milk River, who says, Great show again tonight. I wish the fan base could choose positivity. Tonight, the loss brings out a boatload of anger from the Sea of Red when the reality is they've been on a nice run and lost to a good team. Guaranteed, when the Oilers streak ends, a huge part of oil country will behave like the sky's falling. Why can't they just enjoy the game and everything that comes with it? Uh, we say it's the best game in the world, but man, some days it's hard to tell. I can't wait for Saturday regardless of the outcome. That's from Dan in Milk River. Um... What else we got here at 960, 960? Um, glad to see Huberto back on track after the illness. I feel bad for Coleman. He seemed to be beating himself up after the game, most likely because of the hand pass. I know that feeling all too well. Um, this says, coaches' challenges should have a counter set. There should be no timeout allowed until after a puck drop on the following play after a goal that forces coaches to react at the same speed of the game. Entertainment value becomes lost when you slow the game down and pull plays back over gray area calls that should be left the way the referees determined the play happened in the moment. This is not the NFL, and plays should never be left open to the interpretation of people who have no direct impact within the game. Again, that may or may not be true. Um, that is your opinion. Fact of the matter is, the rule is written as such, and I, I did think that they called this by the rule book when it was all said and done. Um, what else we got at 969.60? Um, 
Good to hear Coleman admit it wasn't his best game. Tough on the wall in their own end. At least two turnovers. And sorry, Osterley looks lost out there when there's any forechecking pressure. Got to be someone from the Wranglers they can give those minutes to. That comes from Rob in Mackenzie Lake. Well, I think there's a decent chance Gilbert gets back in Saturday when the Flames take on the Oilers. We'll see. Um... This says what's surprising. The score was so close, honestly. Vladar was amazing. Huberto's got to stop with those idiotic no-look passes. Um, what else we got here at 960, 960? This says, I think they got both reviews wrong. If that's the case, then it still ends up being 4-3 Toronto. Um... This says, without the game tonight, cheering the boys on. Everything seemed to change when the Pospisil play happened. The energy level dropped significantly. That line just wasn't the same without his speed and tenacity. And Huberto looked lost again, unfortunately. He had so many chances to shoot, but always wanted to pass first. It was a bad look. Finally, I totally agree with the comment about using common sense on the hand pass rule. The deflection off the hand was not intentional. That rule needs to change. Um, This from Rob. Um... You'd early t- earlier talked about whether a Leaf had touched the puck, canceling Flames' possession, and it didn't seem so, but can you talk about whether possession changed when the goalie made the save? The puck was sitting on the goal line. Did any Leaf touch it in that sequence? Sorry, Pat, I don't like the goal being called back after such a lengthy period of time. I know I'm not the only one, but I'm steamed about it. If they reviewed it for the Flames, I'm sure the call would have been different. The Leafs' beneficial calls conspiracy continues. You can, if that if that helps you sleep better at night, or if you truly believe that, or whatever, sure. What uh, then? Then by all means, I don't believe that, but that's just my opinion. Um, as for the other goal, yes, there was. Uh, Liljegren touched it, and that's why it was deemed that it was no longer a kicked-in goal. Uh, this says, Patrick Vladar is not as good as you make him out to be. Every save's a battle. I truly don't understand the hype. I don't know if we're hyping him. I just thought he played well tonight. I thought he had a really good game. Vince writes, uh, writes rather, um, good effort tonight. However, the 12 minutes in the second period was the difference, and so was Matthews. Leafs are a good team, but not Stanley Cup material. Uh, they got some fortunate bounces tonight. The fourth line struggling. Dubé and Ruzicka are not consistent at all. Play a full 60 on Saturday against the Oilers and be smart with the puck and they'll be okay um this from will in bc who says you guys pretty much covered what i wanted to say about the hand pass so all i can say is i thought vladar deserved a win tonight i hope pospisil's okay for sure do you think rizichka should stay up i'm not so sure he should yeah i'm not enamored with the way he's playing myself either. Uh, this from Bubba, who says, gutsy and smart move by Sheldon Keefe challenging the Zeri goal in the third period. He clearly saw enough during the timeout to make it a no-brainer with only a shorthanded situation at risk. Uh, assuming Markstrom is still out, does Huska reward Vladar's work with a return next game, or does Wolf get thrown into the, into the fire against the Oilers, who, let's be honest, are looking like a championship-caliber team during this recent tear? Always love listening to the post game. Megan Mickelson's a great addition to the team that comes from Bubba. Uh, agreed on that front and on the Mickelson front, agreed. Um, as for the goaltender, my guess is Vladar goes if Markstrom's not ready. The kind of initial indication that that 
you heard and kind of the scuttlebutt was maybe a couple of games for Markstrom that he'd need to miss and that maybe for Saturday. So I think there is a decent chance that come Saturday, Jacob is ready to return. We'll wait and see come morning skate on Saturday. Uh, this from Rick in Lakeview to wrap us up. Good evening, Pat. A shame the Flames weren't up three or four zip, which was possible. One goal that was nauseating for me was the third goal. Looked like the boys were on a two-man disadvantage, a passive triangle about eight feet across. That passive approach creeps into their game far too often. Gotta love the foot and hand infractions. How about clarifying intent? Last, where was that Mangiapane been most of the year? Good effort, unfortunate result. That's from Rick in Lakeview. There you go at 969.60. Great stuff on the text line. Now uh, back to the phone lines for a few more following a 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs, starting with Dave. Hello, Dave. Hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, on the on the uh, the goal that was called back, I think uh, obviously it's unfortunate for us as Flames fans um, the way it went. But I think for the good for the good of the game, the NHL needs to uh, re, you know reword that rule. Um, and, and what I mean is, you know, if, if something involves interpretation, you don't go back and review it. Um, you know, the, if what, whatever they call on the ice is, is, and is what stands, and the play finishes, right? Um, you know, I don't it, think that's going uh, to happen. I, I, I don't. I think it might continue going in the other direction as opposed to the direction you're. That would be a big time walk back. I just, just this is not me saying that I agree or disagree with your opinion. More just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Like I, I think about the NFL, right? Like they, they when it's when it's something that's up for interpretation, it the the call on the field stands. Um, you know, and, and like, like pass interference, those, those, those calls are not reviewable and, and they, they, they were for, remember they were for the one season. What's that? They did, they did it for the one season in the NFL and then we're like, no, okay, we're changing this. Yeah. Um, just on, you know, I've, I've been feeling like, uh, you know, it'd be good if the flames can get Hannafin signed. Um, and, and I don't necessarily, my opinion hasn't necessarily changed today, but in that, for that, on that 2-2 goal, you know, Matthew's 2-2 goal, that started, that's when they got hemmed in, right? And that started with an unnecessary giveaway in the neutral zone um, from Hannafin and followed by uh, another give another giveaway in the uh below the goal line and then they got hemmed in and they got scored on and i i was just thinking you know it'd, it'd be good to sign hannafin i think he's a solid defenseman but he's not ray bork at the same time right well and in fairness i don't who's calling him ray bork <laughs> well you know but but i i guess i guess my point is that um if if they if they had if they did trade him I don't feel I, I wouldn't be totally heartbroken so long as they got a decent return for them, you know, some decent assets. Um, I think it would definitely be a step back with 
whoever would backfill them, obviously depending on who they got back in the trade, but they, I don't think they have any, any, anything in the farm or in the shelves to fill his role. Um, it, w- it would be a step back, but not a massive step back. That's my point. Yeah, and I mean it would it would take a it would take a, a a guy out who plays a lot of minutes. Um I do think they would miss him. He he's yeah. kind of like he's he's a number 2 number 3 D-man. Like I, I think he kind of straddles being a 2-3 uh on most of this team. Uh, on most teams in the league rather. Yeah. Um one other another one I, I was you know, I was really impressed with with Huberto tonight, um, not just because he got a couple of assists. You know, we've talked about him a lot over the last year and a half, and and most of it has been negative for, or just how can we get the most out of him? And I, and I feel like his vision is his his ice vision and 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 passing ability is just off the charts. And sometimes I feel like his his team his line mates actually almost more so the the defense um you know they're not reading what his next move is going to be and there doesn't seem to be a cadence it's like they're surprised when they get that pass from him. they sometimes they handle it and sometimes it's you know they they mishandle it and, and i i just wonder what the right line mate is for him um and i just think someone that's high you know skilled and fast and that doesn't mean um, it's got to be a, a Patrick Kane, but you know someone that's skilled and fast and hungry, um, and 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 who's who's reading the play, reading the defenses, and read, reading the defense and finding the opportunities, the seams to cut in, and and I and I think that you'll get you'll get more out of Huberto with that. I like the way, and I appreciate the call tonight, Dave. You have yourself a great night. Hey, thanks. Uh, I think I think I really like the way it's starting to trend with Sharon Govich on that line. I think there's uh, there's something I, I, there's something building there. We don't know what Lindholm's um, situation is going to look like here going forward, but I do like what I'm seeing with a guy that might be a long term fit for Huberto and Sharon Govich, which I think is is a promising development for the team few more calls as Parsons is up next. What's going on, Parsons? Hey, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, a shame to get the loss. It's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we had no control of the neutral zone. And if you don't, if you don't have that against a team like this with uh, snipers, uh, yeah. unfortunately, I think nine times out of ten you're going to come out on the losing situation. So um, I thought Bladar kept us in it as best as he could. Um, but unfortunately, we just we lost the neutral zone, and they have more talent, obviously. So it is what it is at that point. But um, one thing I wanted to talk about, and actually Jose kind of brought it up uh, there was actually two players I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and uh, it was one was Rizitska and the other was Dubé now right. I I don't want to call in and just pile on Dubé I, like that's not my intention here I, I want to have a legit discussion with you about him so 
I, I get the fact that, yes, he had 45 points last year. Um, he's trended ever since he started. Um, but, you know, from my side of things, you know, the man's like 25 years old. In another six months, he'll be, you know, 26. So he's he's in his fifth year. Uh, well, he actually had another year. He played 25 games before in 1819 but you know here we are in 23 24 and the guy's got 43 games three goals four assists seven points and this is like um i don't even know how to comment about this like i'm trying to remember his usage like back in the last two years previous to this like if he had more pk time or something like can you help me out with this? And so, what am I? What am I helping you with? Uh, why such a dramatic? Dude, I have no idea. I I really don't know. Um, I I I don't know. Like, I think part of it like it could remember? very well be um, he's just having a down year. Players have down years. Um, but also, it's a really dramatic down year. I don't know. I mean, I think I think part of it is usage. Um, but that. And that's not trying to even put that on on Ryan Huska saying that oh well you know Ryan Huska is not using him properly. It's more just the way it is gone. He's been mostly a fourth line guy this year, so I think that has um, definitely contributed. Um, so I think that's part of it. I I don't think that he has played with as much confidence, especially recently which i guess you can kind of understand why with the way the year is gone um and i i think the percentages have not necessarily been his friend this year um just mm-hmm. in terms of shooting percentage and pdo and things like that that hasn't helped um right. and and there's also especially more recently there's been stretches where he just hasn't been good enough and, and hasn't been the same player that um he has been before so the reasons as to why, though, I, I, I mean, there's only guesses in there, you know? Like, do you remember his usage being different the previous two years? Like, Yes, he wasn't a fourth-line player. Well, he bounced, though, still. Like, not, I remember he not was... like he was only on the fourth line for, like, three games last year, if that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's trending for, and I, I'm being generous here, he's trending for 14 points. No, I, I know that he, dude, I, I am well aware of yeah. the struggles, the offensive struggles. Don't, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that he's not struggling offensively. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm not all that different than where you are, Parson, that, okay, <laughs> why is this happening? How is this yeah. happening for a guy that looked like after an 18-goal, 45-point season where he was one of their most productive five-on-five players last year, how has it gotten to this? That's what I'm also trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very perplexing. Like, I mean, he's got the toolkit. He's got the speed. He's got the shot. Uh, he can be aggressive on the boards. I'm just, I'm just absolutely baffled on this. And I, I hate to give up on a player like this, to be honest, because he has trended, but... 
what we're seeing this year, it's it, he's like a, a virtual shell of himself. Like, well, and that's and has, that's why I was having that. That's why I was you know kind of playing devil's advocate with with Jose earlier. Is that mm-hmm. okay? What is the best way to go about this? Is it better to cut bait and say, no, this is what he is after one bad year? Or is it just one bad year and he's just like, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm like, I I don't know what the right move is. I, you know, I I think even the Dubay camp might be in favor of a change of scenery the way things have gone this year. Right. Um, But I just, I I don't know what the, the best move for the flames would be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. Like that's what I was suggesting earlier on, like, you know, about a month ago or something, you know, maybe he needs to, change of scenery maybe for a Duclair or something. I mean, I, I wish we could have made that move back then, but there's no chance of that happening now. But, um, you know, it, and it's tough because you look Do you really that. think Duclair would be helping all that much? Well, <laughs> statistically at this point, yes. You know, it, and at least you could play around with him and Huberto again. I mean, he's been a healthy you know? scratch at times in San Jose, dude. Yeah, that's true. It's that's true. So maybe he needs a new change of scenery too. But, um, I mean, he's playing in a losing culture there too. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this is pretty tough because you know usually they say when there's such highs and lows, like look at Huberto. 115 down to 55 somewhere in the middle is the truth and i'm trying to find that with dubay like maybe he's just maybe he's a 30 point guy you know and is that good enough like we we have to take into account pelche is coming cornell is coming either one of him or rizichka's gotta go you know depends That's, who else depends who else has moved out but i hear what you're saying yeah cuz Lind, lindy's going to be gone so but yeah um yeah this is really tough very tough so yeah. i don't know but uh either way i i feel like uh i i would have rather seen clapka play tonight to be honest with you me too um i i would have just i i want to see some of these other guys like Australia scares the crap out of me every time he's on the ice. I'd rather see Solovyov out there. Well, stuff like that. Like that, that's a little more difficult just roster wise. I do think there's a chance Gilbert's back in come Saturday though. Oh, good. That'd be so good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Edmonton game, man. Um, this is going to be intense, I think. So. Um, other than that, that's all I got. Um, I just I hope we figure out something with Rizichka and Dubay because I just feel like at this point it's it's not working and it's just it's hurting the team more than it's helping it. That's all I got to say, buddy. All right, Parse, be well, man. You too. And let's say hello to Dylan on the phone lines tonight. What's up, Dylan? Hey, Pat. What are you up to? Not much, man. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, yeah, thought tonight was a you know a fun game to be a part of. Um, that call sucks. It's kind of a weird one, um, but it doesn't really matter. Um, had a power play right after and didn't really do anything with it. So um, the team that complains about officiating is usually the team that loses. So you have to, you know, you have to find a way. You can't blame that stuff. It's got to be better. Well, and and, and I I do think that's an important point 
because they did not have a good third period, man. Maple Leafs no. could have scored about seven with all the qual- like high-quality chances that Dan Vladar kicked out in that third period. Yeah, he made some big saves, right? And, and your goalie's got to do that. That's important. That's his job. I mean, and he gives you some life. Um, but, yeah, you know, just like you said, that's that's the way it is. Didn't really deserve to to have that lucky bounce go their way. Um, I don't know. Twitter a few days ago was it John Shannon. He was on some podcast talking about how uh, the um, how it's business making the calls, and it's the manager, not Conroy. It's it's Mr. Edwards, um, and he says that we only got a few days left before we decide what's going on there. I thought it was pretty clear that we're not going to be just signing people to whatever contracts they want. So I I, I, I don't. To be honest with you, Dylan, I don't know. I didn't hear the podcast. I, I can't I can't really comment on a comment that I'm hearing secondhand from you, so I, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I just – it was all – every Flame guy on Twitter there, or a fan at least, was sharing it and freaking out. So I was just – maybe I knew you had something. But their plan still is to to move Lindholm if there's – or whatever UFAs that aren't signing at at the deadline, I presume. Yes, for everything that I believe is and and that I uh, understand is that if if those guys aren't signed by the deadline, that they'll be moving them. Okay, interesting. Um, geez, what was I gonna say? Anyway, um, I think Saturday is gonna be a great match. Really excited for that. Um, people should be amped up. Um, I'm really hoping we're not getting a flat effort. And guys got to come out and play. I mean, don't waste my time. I'm a Cowboys fan. I do not want my time wasted. I'm tired of having my time wasted. Got to come out and play and, um, you know, be physical, make big plays on Edmonton. That would be pretty awesome to break their uh, to break their losing streak. I think that would be a, that would be a pretty nice thing to – winning streak, to, to stick in their <laughs> pipe. I, I think that would be it would be pretty neat to see, I think. And on the Dubé thing, it's really too bad that he's everyone's ready to ship him out. I find that so, like, same with Igor. Everyone's given up on him 10 games into the year. Everyone just wants to give up on people. Um, one thing about Dubé, something to think about maybe is just, you know, the importance of, like, the the impact of Daryl. I mean, whatever, I don't care what anybody says, smart hockey mind. Um, smartest hockey mind this coach, this team's probably as a seen as a coach. Um, he gets the best out of players. And, you know, Dubé was maybe a benefactor of that. I, I, I think that's something that we can counter into what has led to his downfall, maybe. You know, Huska's a great coach, too, and he's got – Dubé has got to find a way um, to, to get himself back to it, you know, at a least playable level because the last little bit, it's it's not been there. And, and you have to – you know, he's got to find a way. But I, I do think maybe Daryl not being here could be something that uh, – could be the reason why he's not as you know good as last year. Same with usage and all that. But Daryl's known to get the best out of players, and, and just maybe Dubé was one of those guys who were who would benefit from that. Um, and I, I don't, I, I, I definitely think that there's something to the, you know, you talking about the the change in in coach. I, I do think whether whether you thought it was time for Daryl to move on or not. Um, I still think there were players that absolutely were um, very played very well out of Daryl, and and he did get the most out of him. And honestly, knowing um, knowing Dylan a little bit, I, I think that despite Daryl's methods not always being the greatest, uh, I I do think it was the type of coach that that Dubé responded to. I I can't speak as much um, for for Dewar. 
But I, I do think that, yeah, I mean, Daryl was a tough coach to play for and a frustrating coach to play for for a lot of guys, no doubt. But I do think that the – I think it worked for a guy like Dubé for, for, a good chunk of the, uh, for a good chunk of the time he was coached by him. Excellent. All right, Pat, that's all I've got this evening. Maybe we'll talk to you on Saturday. Uh, you be well, my friend. Good to hear from you, Dylan. Yep, you too, man. That'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight as we start to move towards the end of our Flames Talk post-game show. Flames fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here's how we got there. It's time for the final summary. As uh, By the way, thank you for all your phone calls. Thank you for all your texts. Really appreciate it, as always. Uh, good start for the Flames. Really like their first period. Yegor Sharangovich opened the scoring to make it 1-0. Sharangovich is 19th from Rasmus Anderson and Jonathan Huberdeau came at 10 52, and then a nice power play goal from Nazem Kadri made it 2 nothing. Kadri's 16th from Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberdeau at 15-23. But the Leafs get one back late in the first. Bit of a momentum swinger for them as Austin Matthews starts off a banner night with his 35th. Matthews from Noah Gregor and Bobby McMahon at 18-24. And it was 2-1 after 20 minutes of play. To the second period we go, Toronto ties it. Matthews again, his 36th from William Nylander and Pontus Holmberg at 4-08, tie. Then a power play goal from Mitch Marner makes it 3-2 is 19th from Nylander and Matthews at 7:44, and then the eventual game winner the hat trick goal for Matthews his 37th of the year from Matthew Nyes and TJ Brody at 13:39. Leafs led 4-2 Flames get one back before the end of the second Andrew Mangiapane his 9th of the year from Michael Backlund and Noah Hannafin at 17:53, and it was a 4-3 Flames deficit after 40 minutes of play. Uh, just before the midway mark of the third period, Flames thought they had tied it. Leafs challenge on a hand pass. Their challenge is successful, so Connor Zeri's game-tying goal doesn't count, and the Leafs hold on from there. 4-3 ends up being your final score. Final shots, 33-26 in favor of Toronto. Flames one for three on the power play tonight. Toronto one for two with the man advantage. Your three stars, number three, Dan Vladar. Number two, William Nylander. And with three goals and four Four points. No brainer for the number one star tonight. That would be Austin Matthews. With the loss, Flames fall to 21 at 19 and 5. They're back in action Saturday at home to Edmonton, while Toronto improves to 22, 13 and 8. And they're back in action Saturday on the road in Vancouver. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on site engineers, Tim Khalil and Matt Chikusko, for our outstanding uh, reporters. Porter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap things up on our Flames Talk postgame show, it's available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for the Flames is Saturday night, 8 o'clock face-off, uh, coast-to-coast on Hockey Night for Round 2 of the Battle of Alberta. We're on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Final score from the Scotiabanks Saddledome tonight. Flames win streak snapped at four. They fall 4-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.